Check our additional show hosts and topics of interest. Please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the HR status quo and how people are organized, engaged, and motivated to create real business impact. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. And I think I'm going to change that opener from run with to ride with, and you'll understand why a little bit into the show. Let me tell you what the buzz on the street is today. I have a very interesting and simple six-word quote from a gentleman named Peter Robinson. He was the CEO of Mountain Equipment Co-op. This quote was from Davos 2009 from his talk on memorable quotes on ethics, CSR, and sustainability. There's a clue. He went on to become the CEO of the David Suzuki Foundation and left that role last year. Here's the quote, very simple, six words. It will set the scene for our show today. Ethics is the new competitive environment. Now think corporate, think business, think hard in the right place, think moral compass. Now I have you all focused on the right thing. Business leaders today are expected to set a moral compass that defines their company's role as a citizen. I'm going to add citizen of the world, invested in making the world, the globe, a better place. This is a big responsibility. A lot of people say it all starts at the top, and that's what we're saying here. So what does this mean? The resulting corporate social responsibility programs, and you've heard me mention CSR, that's corporate social responsibility. These are a key indicator of your company's brand equity and your company's value to your consumers, your employees, your business partners, your investors, and beyond. So think about what are people looking for you to lead? What are they looking for you to say to set the tone at the top of the company? And it's all about social responsibility today. That's a big, important piece of it. We have said in the past that this is just a demand of millennials when they look for a job. What is the company's CSR? What are they doing to help the world be a better place, helping other cultures? Well, now it's more than just millennials. Everybody expects this. And I know there's some debate in the corporate community about this, but... It's out there, and it needs to be reckoned with. Let me tell you who our three special guests are today, and then we will start with their opening quotes. In just a moment, I will introduce you to Bonnie. Yes, we're both Bonnies, B-O-N-N-I-E. Her middle initial is J, and her last name is Adario, and she is a lung cancer survivor, a very brave and courageous lady, and she's the founder of an organization called ALCF, Adario Lung Cancer Foundation. We'll find out about that in a few minutes. Joining her is, uh, I was going to say, one of our fan favorites. He was on another show with me, Game Changers, yesterday. It's Chris Johnson, senior partner at Mercer, and rumor has it he's somewhere very quiet in an airport today. So he's a real trooper calling in from wherever he can. And rounding out the panel, very pleased to welcome a newcomer, John Matthews, a global VP at SAP, and he is about 
about to embark on a very, talking about courageous, a courageous bike ride across the country in in honor of his mom who lost her battle with lung cancer. But we'll be talking to John about that and how it relates to corporate social responsibility, and it really does in his case. So, Bonnie Adario, we'll try, I'll just say Bonnie and she'll say Bonnie and you can all not be confused. Um, her, send me a quote from Nelson Mandela, his full name, Nelson Rohilala Mandela, 1918 to 2013, South African anti-apartheid revolutionary politician and philanthropist. He was the president of South Africa from 1994 to 99. He actually spent 27 years in prison and he was finally released. So very courageous man. Here's the quote Bonnie has selected. It always seems impossible until it's done. Bonnie J. Adario, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Well, thank you. I'm, I'm awesome and, and excited to be here. Thank you very much. Bonnie, tell me, are you a big fan of Nelson Mandela? How'd you pick the quote? Because it's a, it's a great quote. I think it's words to live by. Well, I, I chose the quote because, you know, lung cancer itself is a very stigmatized cancer. And it's been singled out as the only, only disease uh, uh, related to smoking. And it's not, you know, the, the biggest cause of heart disease is smoking. The biggest cause of vascular disease is smoking. 30 other cancers. Then there's COPD and emphysema and, uh, you know, a, a lineage of diseases that are related to smoking. But because of the stigma, the funding for research has been practically nothing compared to the big three cancers, which are prostate, breast, and colon. Mm-hmm. So I thought we have a giant mountain to climb here because, A, anyone can get lung cancer, and, B, uh, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't focus on what people's habits are. We should focus on helping them. So Nelson's quote uh, was totally related to what we're doing. And I also remembered a quote by Robert Kennedy a long time ago that related to Nelson. And he said, if you're passionate about an injustice, and he was referring to the injustice related to the immigrant farmers and how Mm -hmm. they were being treated. If you're passionate about an injustice, then do something about it. So it, things do seem impossible until they're done. And we are making great progress. Today. Glad to hear because that, we Bonnie. Didn't and take no for an answer. And, and that's the story of your life, isn't it? Can you just briefly tell us just a sixty-second overview of why and when you founded ALCF? Just so we know right at the top of the show here, what is it all about? Absolutely, I was diagnosed with lung cancer myself after my mother's brother and sister and my grandfather, who all passed away. My mom actually was diagnosed after I was. She also mm. passed away, and that just brought me to a point while I was being treated for lung cancer that I needed to do some research. So I did, and I found that the uh, research funding for lung cancer was just ridiculously low for the biggest cancer in the world, Mm. and I committed myself to do something about it if I made it out the knothole. Well, I did make it out the knothole, and we now have two foundations working voraciously to um, make lung cancer, chronically managed disease by 2023, and then ultimately cured. 
great goal. And as Mr. Mandela, I don't know whether he's a Mr. or a doctor, but we'll call him Mr. Mandela. It always seems impossible until it's done. And you certainly have been working toward that goal. Thank you, Bonnie. We're so pleased to have you join us today. And a lot to talk with you about, about the notion of corporate social responsibility and how could a, how should a company pick where, when, how, and how much it is involved in that responsibility. How does it translate to real companies using their their clout, their money, their their share of voice, shall we say, to help other populations or, or, uh, or niches or groups? So we'll, we'll talk about that extensively. Thank you, Bonnie. And now it's my pleasure to welcome Chris Johnson. Chris, we have to stop meeting this way. You were on Game Changers with me yesterday. Uh, Chris has sent us a quote from Karl Marx. Oh, come on, everybody. You know, M-A-R-X-K-A-R-L, 1818-1883, Prussian-born philosopher, economist, political theorist, sociologist, journalist, and revolutionary soci- socialist. You know, Chris, back in the day, in that era, everybody seemed to have about 18 titles that they did. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, he uh, he spent much of his life in London, where he continued to develop his thought in collaboration with Engels. And his most notable work, this is Karl Marx, is an 1848 pamphlet called The Communist Manifesto. He is actually described as one of the most influential figures in human history. That's a big thing. And his work has been lauded as well as criticized. He's considered one of the principal architects of modern social science. It kind of leaves me scratching my head there. But here's the quote, and it's a good one. Here's a quote from Karl Marx. Society does not exist of individuals, but expresses the sum of interrelations, the relations within which these individuals stand. I like that. Kind of a nested layers of dolls. I think we talked about that yesterday in Game Changers. Chris Johnson, how are you today? I'm really well and uh, delighted to be here. Uh, I'm speaking from Houston Airport in the Admiral's Lounge. How's that for a little bit of advertising? Um, I love this <laughs> quote. Actually, and I, I, hadn't, uh, I hadn't seen the Peter Robinson quote until, uh, until this, this call, um, which I think really works. Ethics is a new competitive environment. Now, why, why I like the Karl Marx quote is not, not because I am a fan of Karl Marx. Okay, we clear that up. <laughs> I cleared that one up. I thought I should. Um, but I think it does capture the interplay between individuals and society. And for in the context of corporate responsibility, and notice I left the word social out, in the context of corporate responsibility, I think companies have got responsibilities both to the individuals they employ and to the society in which they operate. And if they get their focus on society wrong, I don't think they provide the right environment for the individuals they employ. And Karl, and Karl Marx sort of captures that when he talks about the interrelations uh, of society setting the frame for how individuals, he says, stand. So my, my mission in this conversation is really to try and tease out how it is that corporations should be focused on their responsibilities to society generally and how that relates to their responsibilities to their employees. Thank you very much. And, and Chris, I'd love your comment, if you don't mind, on what I said in my opening, that it used to be even just a couple of years back on various Game Changers radio shows, we were hearing that millennials were the force of the voice of, we want to know how these companies are investing. Are they sustainable? Are they? Do they have a, a moral compass? That's the word we're using today, the term. Uh, are they investing in societies and, and helping people bootstrap around the world? Is it? Am I right that it's not just the millennials today who are demanding that I I want to work for a company that does good. What's your thought? 
Uh, my thought is it's not just millennials. Um, okay. I think people attribute it to the millennials. I understand why. There's no question that that younger generation is very interested in values and wants to work in places that have good values in, insofar as they judge them. But I think all the, all the research that we see inside companies demonstrates that employees of you know, every character and every age group, including old people like me, um, are actually really, really interested in what their company stands for. And it has a big impact on the degree to which they commit, they engage, and they give of their discretionary efforts. You know, we know all these corporate mm-hmm. HR speak kind of ideas, but there is a correlation between the purpose of the organization and the degree to which individuals really, really connect with it. A high purpose, responsibility to society is, uh, in my mind, one of the defining characteristics of a great employer. And, and Chris, can we put that in very simple terms? We want people to say, I'm proud to work for this company. Isn't that really what it comes down to? I'm proud of what my company does in the world. Isn't that a, a, a nice way to... I think it's the second It's the second statement. I'm proud for what my company does in the world rather than I'm proud to work for this company. So it's, it's, it's more active. It's a statement about what the company does that drives pride. Mm-hmm. Wow, I got to tweet that one. I think I want to crochet that on the side of a pillow. And thank you, Chris. And John Matthews has been waiting so patiently. I want to know if he's on his bike because we know he's getting ready to embark on an amazing, life-changing, game-changing adventure. John Matthews, Global VP at SAP, has sent us a quote from Howard Schultz. Howard Schultz, young one, born in 1953. I'm entitled to say he's young. He's an American businessman. If you don't know, he is, for goodness sake. He is the executive chairman of Starbucks and a former owner of the Seattle supersonic. So coffee and sports, what's better than that? He was a member of the board of directors at Square. Interestingly enough, um, he was described by, let's see, Forbes 19, 19, last year, 2016, he was the 595th richest person in the U.S. with a net worth of $2.9 billion. Oh, just a little drop in the bucket here. Um, interestingly enough, he worked for Xerox. He was, I don't know, John, do you know this? Schultz started out as a salesman for Xerox and became a general manager for a Swedish drip coffee maker manufacturer Hammerplast and he noticed that a little coffee bean shop named Starbucks was buying a lot of plastic cone filters so he worked with them and came up with an idea and launched a, a pilot program where he wanted them to do more than just offer co- coffee beans and he wanted them to have coffee bars. They didn't like the idea even though it succeeded. So he went off and started his own coffee company and later on they wanted to move into something else so he bought them. What can I say? That's uh, being there and being aware. John Matthews has sent us the following wonderful quote from Howard Schultz. Quote, as corporate citizens of the world it is our responsibility, our duty to serve the communities where we do business by helping to improve overall daily life plus future prospects. That says it all. John Matthews, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, Not tired at all. I'm glad. Have you been training? What's your training schedule? Tell everybody where you're riding from where to where. Let's let's do a little overview here. What are you doing? Sure. Um, So I'm I'm leaving uh, August 24th, just outside of Philadelphia, and I'm going to hop on a bike and make my way uh, to the Golden Gate Bridge by late now to the middle of October. And uh, I'm expecting to get a big hug from my friend Bonnie Adario. Oh, uh, how many miles? What's what's? I know she'll be waiting for you, and I'll send you a remote hug from Bonnie D. Graham in New York. What's the mileage, John? What's the mileage? It's uh, it's about 3,500 miles. Uh, I'll go through 12 states, 
And on average, I'll be doing about 75 to 80 miles a day, depending on you know, depending on if there's hills. If I'm going uphill, it's a little bit less. If it's downhill, I'll probably do a little bit more. Wow. How long have you been training? Are you, are you ready? Are you in great shape? Make us I'm feel really on. happy for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I better be ready. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm almost there. i got a few more weeks of training, and then um, the rest, I'll, I'll get a little bit of rest in. But I'm excited to get started, and um, I have so many people, family, friends, colleagues that are involved with helping with all the aspects around planning it and communication um, and building an app and, and a number of other things. So I could spend a lot of my time doing what I have to do, which is get this body ready to go 3,500 miles. Quite a challenge. John, I have to say to tell our audience the reason you're on this show is not just because you are a hero and your commitment to this cause, I'm trying not to cry, but because you're doing this in memory of your mom. I lost my mom recently, so I understand, but from something else. And you're doing this in honor of your mom, but the reason you can say the phrase that Chris Johnson and I just mentioned a few minutes ago, that I'm proud to work for SAP, you can say that because, fill in the blank, John Matthews. Um, Our purpose from the CEO down is, um, is to improve people's lives, and so when Bill McDermott says that we mean it, the company lives it, and... And in particular in this ride, I literally have 30 people from SAP from all parts all across the world who are many people I'd never met before who just heard what we were doing and said, how can I help? Uh, and it, it grows every day. I've gotten more notes to literally this morning about how can I help with the send-off from SAP on August 24th. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy and fortunate and proud to work for, for SAP. And I am too. Thank you. I'm sorry for the tears. I just get really emotional when I talk about that kind of thing. I've lost one relative to cancer uh, two years ago, and my mom a couple of months ago. So I'm, I'm, uh, I understand. Ah, shout out to your mom, John. So, Bonnie, stop the tears. This Bonnie and Bonnie Adario. I'm going to count on you to get me back on track here, my dear Bonnie. We want to know where are you calling from, and what's your favorite drink that really, really, really makes you smile, Bonnie Adario. Oh gosh, that's 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 the easiest question. I actually do know where I'm calling from, and it's the San Francisco <laughs> Bay Area. Okay, <laughs> I'm a native San Franciscan, and my favorite drink is wine. I'm a I'm I'm an immigrant's granddaughter, and my grandfather used to make wine in his garage in San Francisco. So there you have it. <laughs> wow, what kind of wine? That sounds interesting. Red wine, white wine. What was what was the well, one? You know, I. I, I think wherever he found the grapes, it turned into wine. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. Thank you very much. I'm not going to ask if you've got a cup of that in front of you now, but you certainly are entitled to one after the show. Thank you, Bonnie. Chris Johnson, we know you're in an airport. I don't know if there's anything interesting in your cup or even if you even have one as you're probably getting ready to board somewhere. Where are you going, Chris Johnson, and what, what are you drinking that really you love to make that makes you smile? Uh, well, I'm at Houston Airport. Uh, I'm waiting for a flight up to New York, uh, where I'm uh, returning to meet up with my family, and then I head back with my son to the UK on Saturday. So, quite a bit of flying to do. Um, I have a glass to my right hand side, uh, and it's almost empty. It has had some Sauvignon Blanc in it. Um, <laughs> my favourite drink, <laughs> especially when I'm flying, because I want to be sort of inured or inoculated. <laughs> From the experience, it's Sauvignon Blanc. 
And and what would you rather be drinking if you were somewhere else if you weren't getting on a plane? What else makes you really really happy, John? I'm sorry, Chris. I'm sorry. We didn't get to John yet. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, well, I, uh, when uh, yesterday uh, I was in Dallas, which was even warmer than Houston, uh, and green tea. Uh, I know it sounds odd, but warm green tea in a hot climate is just perfect. Really? Okay, mm. we'll have to try that. It sounds like a Chris Johnson's secret uh, secret recipe for success. Thank you. And John Matthews, mm. I, I'm going to ask you two questions. Well, three. Number one, where are you? Number two, what are you drinking that will power you on this ride? Any special kind of water or Gatorade or electrolytes? And what would you, if you weren't doing this ride, what normally do you drink that you love? John? Well, I'm at the SAP office in Newtown Square, so just outside of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've learned from a few people. There are a couple drinks that I'm using all the time that you mix with water. One is called Nun, N-U-U-N. And mm. the second one is Scratch Labs. Powder, um, scratch with a K, S-K-R-A-T-C-H. And they both help with electrolytes. Uh, it's not water. Um, and they're both uh, intended for um, things like I'm doing for endurance athletics. And my... my uh, my favorite drink is uh, having a nice cold beer someplace in Ireland. Um, I had a few of them last year when I was over there with my wife. I was just sitting in a pub and listening to Irish music. My mom was born in Ireland and my father's mother was born in Ireland. So it, uh, it's, always, uh, it's always nice to go home and, and have a Guinness or a Harp or a Smithics or whatever's on the shelf. Sounds lovely. Sounds very lovely. And by the way, I looked up none, and they have, uh, let's see, they have a, uh, all kinds of websites are offering their goods, but we have here the None Active Conservation Alliance Hydration Tablets. Looks like they're energy tablets, they're electrolyte tablets. Oh, here's one. Here's one I found. Are you using this one, John? It's People for Bikes Mixed Hydration Tablets Package of Four. Is that the one you're using? Exactly. Oh. Yep. Am I good or what? Am I good or what? <laughs> I want one for people. I want one for people who sit down and do radio shows five times a week. That's the one I want for hydration. And ladies and gentlemen, all I'm drinking is a cool, clear glass of water from a Brita filter with a bright pink straw. Because up till now, it's been a beautiful sunny day here in New York. Uh, Chris, you're heading up here, I guess today. It's not too bad. It's been very hot and sticky. But uh, John Matthews, you may you may probably have figured out by now that they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days and you can probably tell why. So I'm going to say we are delighted to have a wonderful panel today talking about a very serious topic here. Uh, To my audience, can you say that you are proud to work for the company that employs you or the company you are leading? Let's put it on both sides of that that C-suite, both sides of that table. What would it take? Think about the impact the company is making on the world. We're calling it CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility. You're listening to Changing the Game with HR Radio, but we're really talking about changing the game in the world for companies. Not so much about HR today, but it's a great topic, and I want to do a shout-out to the series sponsor, Dr. Pat. Patty Fletcher, who put this together. Patty, thank you. Going great so far. So we're going to take a quick break. The pause that refreshes 90 seconds. You can count them along with us. We'll be right back with Bonnie J. Adario, Chris Johnson, and John Matthews. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be after the break. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. We'll be right back. Kevin out. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. From setting up the right structures, enabling technology, and compliant operations 
to hiring, developing, and cultivating a culture of success, SAP SuccessFactors is excited to be your partner in redefining what human resources can deliver to business leaders. Changing the Game with HR brings you insights from the movers and shakers who are making this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges from the boardroom to the shop floor and learn what is working and what has to change. All to help you change HR from transactional to transformational. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top human resources business and technology strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how human resources leaders are shaping the future of change for all of us. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with HR. Indeed, we are changing the game with smart people who are involved in corporate social responsibility. That's the name of the game today. This is Changing the Game, and we're speaking today with Bonnie J. Adario, Chris Johnson, and John Matthews. We're ready to start our roundtable, but if you're just tuning in, our topic formally is Your Corporate Compass, Building a Culture of Community. Think about that. Corporate compass, ethics, doing good in the world, caring, making your employees, your stakeholders, your partners, and everybody proud to know you, proud to work with you. So there. So we're going to start the roundtable formally with some notes Bonnie Adario sent me before the show, and Bonnie will tell us what this all means. She said, traditionally... Nonprofits work through corporate foundations to receive gifts from employees or through corporate social responsibility programs where corporates donate as part of a fund. Now we see even more ways for employees to get involved. More and more companies are getting involved in helping nonprofits in many ways. Bonnie, please tell us more. Well, you know, everything you said plus... I really believe, uh, and, and this is a personal belief, but I, I, but I believe the entire nation believes this, and this, was, this is what makes America great, um, that if you're successful, whether it be personally or via a corporation, you need to pay that success forward. You need to be grateful for the success and pay it forward. People love to work for a corporation that is paying it forward. They love to, to work with not-for-profits that are paying it forward because that's our, our social, really, core of, of, of who we are as human beings. So if you're successful, you should pay it forward. And beyond that, how the employees can pay it forward, we're not, we're not looking for their cash, but I know there are some corporations out there that actually give their employees time off Mm-hmm. to participate in, in fundraisers like 5Ks, like, like John Matthews' bike ride. These employees will be meeting him along the way, 
and their corporation will actually allow them to be off work at that point in time. So it's not always about money, and it's not always about cash. It's about involvement. It's about having a, an emotional connection to whatever the, the issue really is. And people go home that night, and they put their head on their pillow, and they say, you know what? My corporation has allowed me to pay it forward and allowed me to do something good today so I can still have dinner with my family on Sunday and don't necessarily need to spend that time, my own personal time off. Uh, you know, I think, it's, I think it's a wonderful thing. But again, corporations should have a program about how they're paying their success forward, how they're, u- they're using a portion of their success to do good in the world in some form or fashion. Thank you, Bonnie. Very interesting point, and that does, I I said a few minutes ago, we're not necessarily talking about HR, but you just brought up that we really are, because we're talking about policies and strategies that enable the employees, the workers, the the staff, to use the corporate time to do good on behalf of the company and behalf of the ethics of the company. I'm not sure those are always the same exact thing. Love to get Chris Johnson's thoughts on what Bonnie brought up. Very interesting. Chris, what do you think? Uh, I agree with Bonnie. And I, and I disagree. So uh, if, if Bonnie doesn't mind me doing that, um, I do agree that it's really important that corporations give people time to make a contribution. Uh, so volunteering programs sponsored by the employer, uh, I'm a strong advocate for. My but is, I don't think it's enough. I do think the corporation has to itself to do something. And it, it, it's, it, there's a danger that corporations abdicate their responsibility to society by saying, our employees can do this, when actually the corporation itself can do something too. So if I think about companies, and I'll, I'll mention one, Unilever, very proud to uh, be associated with Unilever. Um, Unilever absolutely do the things that Bono has just said, and Unilever steps into society looking at the supply chain, the companies that operate in its supply chain, the employment practices that they have, Why? Because Unilever was founded on principles of supporting society around itself. So Port Sunlight, um, you know, Lightning, you've heard of Cadbury's and Bourneville. It's one of those places where, you know, the the founding family of Unilever established Port Sunlight to make a difference in that local society. And in the 21st century, Unilever is doing exactly the same thing in the companies and the markets in which it operates not just through its employees volunteering. So I totally endorse what Bonnie is saying, but I do think corporations themselves have to stand for something and to do something in their own right. Very interesting. We like a provocative conversation. Bonnie, you want to chime in before I get John? Go ahead, Bonnie. I, I, I totally agree. My comment about you know allowing employees to participate was just one piece of the pie. I, I totally agree with what Chris just said. And we want to get John Matthews in on this. John, which side of the fence? Or I think the fence is both, both are on the same side now. What do you think, John Matthews? Where are you? Um, I, I, I agree with both, actually. And I'll tell you, there's an element that I think is important to add into it. You know, um, giving back is one piece that employees can do and volunteering. An organization, most organizations allow, allow employees. But the bigger picture would be a company to set their strategy and direction and be clear on what their priorities are. 
you know, what matters, because every company can't do everything for everybody. Um, and whether it's an umbrella approach where you give individuals a chance, and secondly, you mirror that with, here's what matters to our company. And where I, where I think that comes in play, at least for my bike ride, where it's helped me um, with SAP is we do a lot of SAP on fighting cancer. Um, so we work with ASCO. Um, and so when I'm doing a ride for cancer, I'm tying into something that matters to SAP. It's not just about me and volunteering. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, everybody knows we sell software. And so part of this bike ride is, is bringing in people who are, um, who are helping to build an app to support the ride so you can, anyone in the world can keep track of where I'm going. So a thoughtful exercise, I would say, for anybody is to think through not just doing it for good sake and you know it's going to help the company, but, but how does it tie into your business strategy and, 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 and potentially are there companies that you can organize and partner around um, and, and do work together through some collaborative efforts that benefit not just the employees but, but the, the company at large? Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I, I want to ask, I'm going to start with you, John Matthews, and I'm going to pose a question around the table, first you and then Bonnie and Chris. Uh, I ask this many times on many of our Game Changers shows because we talk about a company should or an employee should, and my question is very simple. Whose role, whose job, whose responsibility is it to do this, John, to come up with these priorities, to set the compass, to make these decisions? Where does Is it at the tippy top in the C-suite? Is it in the echelons of, of of HR? Is it each manager around the company? Where does it start? Because is it going to trickle up or down or all over? John, what's your thought on the responsibility for corporate social responsibility? Um, I, I see this three, there's three different elements to it. There, there's always the, um, the strategy and leadership. It has to embody what matters to the company. So that has to come either from the CEO, him or her, mm-hmm. or their office. Um, and then it has to be balanced completely with uh, with HR. How do we how do we act it? How do we enable it? Um, as well as there's there's an element around finance. You know, how do we make this a meaningful a program that has business impact? We can prove that what we're doing is not just good, but does it improve does it improve employee engagement? Does it improve um, uh, does it improve other elements around partnerships with uh, with other companies? So, so I would bring those three, to, three together with certainly with the strategy from the CEO first. Thank you. Very interesting. I, I sensed you would say that, Bonnie Adario. From your perspective as the founder of a nonprofit working with corporates, what do you say? You agree or disagree with John Matthews? Well, I, you know, I, 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 I totally agree. But I want to, I want to throw something in the bucket there. That. There are very few corporations that are focused on lung cancer because they still have bought into that stigma and that's not something that they promote. And we often see, too, that the CEO of the corporation guides what the, what the issues are that the company focuses on. And I would love to see corporations take surveys within their companies and say, what are the what are the um, what are the issues that are going on in the world? Uh, and of course, my my focus is health that are most appealing to you, and find a way to be to be uh, bringing the employees in to the decision making process about what they're going to focus on. Might be health, might be education, it might be multiple different things. 
but I don't think it should be the CEO that's guiding what those things are. I think the employees, because anytime you have a vote in the program, whatever it is, whatever it is, it doesn't matter whether it's not-for-profit or for-profit, you feel engaged. You feel like you're part of the decision-making. Very provocative. This is a good conversation. We like that. John, you want to chime in or should I move to Chris? What, what's your preference, John? Yeah, let's, let's go to Chris. I have, a, I have a few thoughts to add in a minute. I know you do. Chris Johnson, love to get your thoughts before we go back around the table. Good conversation. Chris? I'm going to make three points. I, I do think the CEO is very important. So if you go to my Unilever example, you know, Paul Polson uh, is the champion for the values that Unilever stands for today, but those values started with the founders of Unilever. So the Lever family, you know, the, the century before last, uh, established the values that Paul Paulson continues to exude. So there is some golden thread right at the heart of the company, and the chief executive needs to grasp that. I like Bonnie's point about employees being able to choose um, the not-for-profits that they support. And Mercer in the United Kingdom have an annual vote. We select, uh, we select not, not the profit that all our volunteering is focused on. I think it's the Red Cross this year. The year before, it was Helping Heroes. Um, so I, I buy Bonnie's point. The thing I'd like to add to my third point is what we see as we work with corporations is the head of HR and the head of corporate and social responsibility. We see those two roles coming together. Um, it isn't often they sit together when they're inside the, inside the company, um, but with uh, a number of companies, including Unilever, Mars, and others, um, we're bringing these two roles together, and they are found, they're finding the combination of the person who's thinking about what it is we stand for in responsibility terms and the person who's thinking about what this means for our people. Those two roles coming together has proven to be a really, really powerful way of delivering on the promise coming from the founders or the CEO. Interesting. John, now chime in. What do you think? Agree, disagree yeah. with any or all? Yeah, I, Chris, Chris took some of the things I was going to say, but there, there's one piece I, I'm going to add, which is I think the benefit of, of having the organization understand and decide their priorities and know what they are is it doesn't go away with people. So, for instance, if I get off, get off my bike at the end of this year and I leave SAP next year, SAP mm-hmm. is connected to cancer and the work we do there, and SAP is working with Bonnie and team. Mm-hmm. And, but it ties into some corporate strategy and philosophy that allowed it and made it very easy to me as an employee mm-hmm. to ensure that this cause that's so dear to me and to Bonnie and so many others is, has become part of the SAP fabric. It had a, it had a landing place to go to. Very good point. Does it, it doesn't dissipate. It does, you're right. You get off the bike, it doesn't all go away. There's a lasting impact. Now, I'm going to turn to Chris Johnson. I have a very interesting reality check in his statements he sent me before the show. I'm going to move this in a slightly different direction. Chris, I'll read the statement. Love to, for you to expand. Then we'll see what John and Bonnie have to say. Chris Johnson says, here it is, kids. We need to be realistic. There have been signs over the last 20 years that many companies have lost control of their moral 
compass, both within the company and in the supply chain. He gives examples of automobiles, financial services, and others. But, and here's the kicker that I want you to talk about, Chris, but as consumers, we don't seem to care enough. Many of these companies continue to succeed, and Chris, I'll add dot, 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 with our dollars. We vote with our wallets. Chris Johnson, right? Talk to me. What's going on? Do people really care? Uh, well, I, I worry that they don't care enough. Uh, and, you know, I hesitate to mention companies, so let's just talk about automobiles. Mm-hmm. You know, a company absolutely has lost its way when it, when it uh, started playing around with emission controls, and yet it continues to flourish, uh, and the many brands that it operates continues to flourish. So there's a missing piece here, which is that the consumer doesn't seem to be getting active on this agenda uh, as strongly as it might. Um, and for all that I may advocate things, say, that Mars does or Unilever does or tiny little business that I'm really keen to talk about at some time called Fairphone, for all we may advocate, feel proud of the things they do, do we as consumers spend more money with these companies? Um, so do we, do, we, do, we, do we speak with our wallet? Um, I think the answer is we don't. Um, so that does worry me. So as much as I agreed with the quote right at the beginning about ethics is the new competitive advantage, um, I don't think consumers are as sensitive to ethics or to corporate responsibility or to moral compass as perhaps the three of us, four of us would like. Interesting. John Matthews, very provocative from Chris. What do you, what do you see as far as voting with their pocketbook, their wallet? John? Yeah, there's... Um there's some statistics out there that would, that would show you that it actually does happen, that, that people do buy based on what they perceive um, the company's um, successes in these areas. So Nielsen did a, did a study uh, in 2015, um, and it said the brands that demonstrate commitment to sustainability are and simply outperform those that don't. And they, they looked at it across a number of different age groups, um, and one, the, the one statistic that stood out to me, and, and I'm uh, going back for a, I'm back at school now for a degree, and one of the courses was around communications and global communications, and corporate social wealth responsibility became a heavy emphasis in this in this class. And the statistic that came to me was um, in this study was nearly three out of four consumers ages 34 and under are willing to pay more. Um, so, that, of course, that means the educated consumer, those who are going out and learning and those that are responding to the survey. But I, I, I think I see a trend, and um, I, believe it's all, I believe it's one of the things that's going to continue. Very interesting. There's a lot of optimism in that statement, Mr. Matthews. Bonnie Adario, love to get your thoughts. Do consumers care enough? I know you're, you're fighting that good fight and fighting that battle to get them to care, but what do you see? What's your reality check, Bonnie? Okay, okay, here's my reality check, and I could talk for an hour about this subject, but here is what I believe and what I know. I really believe, I'm a believer in the 80-20 principle. I believe 80% of the world wants to make the world a better place, and they really do believe in that. You know, when, when, when some entities are doing a fundraiser, and they give people the opportunity to donate. They, they, they do stupid things like name it platinum and gold and bronze. And then the first thing they do is say other. Who wants to be other? <laughs> Nobody wants to be other. Nobody believes that their $20 makes a difference. Oh, Bonnie. But it does. Yeah. The $20 is more important than anything else. I personally would love to see 
$20 from anyone who believes that lung cancer should get a better break. Because if I got $20 from a million people, that would be $20 million. Yes. And that would be a huge amount of money. And it would be the others that made the difference. Very interesting. Such a good point. I think you hit some nerves out there. I hope companies are listening and saying, yeah, maybe we better go to our annual fundraising journal and change the, the names of the page. You could buy a gold page, right. a silver page, a platinum you know, page, or, or just a business card. Who cares? Duh, that might be 50 bucks, and those add up, and you have a lot, right? Oh, my goodness gracious. I think, I think the platinum people are the ones that donate for $20 regularly. Period. Interesting. Done. Interesting. And regularly is the important word in there. Uh, let's go back around the table. Chris, you started this part of the conversation. What do you think? Do you like what Bonnie said? I, I really appreciate it. Uh, well, both John and Bonnie have made me feel a little bit optimistic. So, um, yeah, I feel that I've been put back in my box a little, uh, which is fair enough. Yeah, I think that's what this discussion is all about. I think the point I, uh, where I am optimistic about consumers is, and I, I presume it's about consumers, is I think the companies that have can demonstrate they have a responsibility to society in some way or other, they're discharging that. I think those companies are the more sustainable companies. They'll be here in the next 20 or 30 years. So there is something in my mind about the endurability of companies that stand for something and deliver on that. Whether that's working with a not-for-profit, whether that's how they employ people, whether it's the way they're influencing the supply chain, um, whatever it is, if they're actually standing for something, I think they are positioning themselves for a, a more sustainable future. And that implies that consumers are going to continue to buy from them. There you go. I, I think, uh, John Matthews, I'm, I'm up next to your topics here. We've covered a lot. I know you covered about brands that demonstrate commitment to sustainability outperform those that don't. You cited some statistics. So, John, I, we have uh, five minutes before we go to our crystal ball predictions round, and I'm already going to predict that you're going to do great on your ride and get a lot of attention and a lot of support. I think that's already happening. But, John Matthews, I'm just going to open this up, which I don't usually do, and say, John, what have we not talked about yet? Not not, not specifically about your ride, but about the topic of CSR, about setting the tone at the top, about employee involvement, about nonprofits being selected by companies to be part of their, their doing good outreach. What, what would you like us to have as a, a third major topic here quickly, John? Um, the main piece would be that um, CEOs is to, is to know that Companies, not only is it important for companies, for CEOs to be involved, but many of them already realize that they understand that uh, CSR and HR leaders need to help them foster their strategic priority. They're they're going to rely on, whether it's a corporate social responsibility team or HR, as the natural place to lead in this this area. Um, So corporate social responsibility also helps the bottom line. Um, meaning that it helps you build trust with customers, employees, as well as with your suppliers. You know, people, you know, Bonnie touched on a few minutes ago, Bonnie theory, about 80% of the people want to do good. But if you, if you give them that guidance, that direction, and, and, and you're clear on what matters, others will come running to you and come running with you to help, to help solve some problems. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll echo what Chris said about, um, about the millennials. It's, Certainly, there's a lot of statistics and information that millennials demand it. 
Uh, I'm a father mm-hmm. of a 22 year old. It mattered some to him. Um, but um, there are, every generation does care. They care maybe a little bit differently, or maybe whether they use it for their purchases or not. But everybody cares in general. The, the, the population cares, employees care, customers care. And so it would be great for HR and CSR to continue to come together, put a plan together with the executive office, and, and, and drive that across the organization. Thank you very much, John. And, Bonnie, I want you to chime in on this. We still have about two minutes before we start our predictions. Bonnie, what did it take? What does it take for your organization? I, I know it's recent. It's new. You're not a major, major uh, longtime player in the nonprofit sphere. What did it take for you to get the attention of companies? What did you have to go through to say, hello, we're over here. We matter. We're doing good. What did it take? Well, I, I think I think a couple of things. Nelson Mandela's uh, quote that this isn't going to be easy. But you know, most not for profits don't make over a million dollars ever in their lifetime. Hmm. We've already raised forty million, and we we have always our mantra has always been the patient voice is the most important voice in healthcare that you should be listening to. Because they know what they need, they know what's missing, and they know what has been done. So my voice has been, for the last 12 years, uh, a very loud one, uh, but a very honest one and a very sincere one. Uh, and people are listening. They are listening. I'm, I'm leaving Tuesday to go to another big event where... where you know, they want to hear my voice because I am a survivor. And I'm, I'm a 2% survivor. Only 2% mm. of people diagnosed with lung cancer at my stage live. Wow. And, yeah, exactly. And sadly, the survival rate is still only 17%, even though more therapies have been approved for lung cancer in the last 18 months than have been approved in the last four decades. Mm. So people people are listening. They're hearing. And that's honestly why we are where we are today. We there have recognized go. what all the barriers mm-hmm. to, to curing lung cancer are. And we've been knocking them down one by one by one. Bravo, Bonnie. Your, your statistics are great and your fundraising is great and you are beating the odds, you personally and your organization. We're proud to know you. And now I'm proud to say that you're up first in our predictions round. So I'm going to give you each 60 seconds. I know you've all been thinking about this and we've actually been with a future view here, talking with a future view during the whole show. But what would we like to see change in terms of our topic, your corporate compass, building a culture of community, CSR, doing good, CEO involvement, employee involvement, picking the right places and reasons and ways to do good, all of the wonderful things we brought up during this conversation. So, Bonnie, I'll give you 60 seconds. Why don't you predict what will change if we met again sometime between now and 2020? Pick a date out of a hat, whatever you want, and tell me what would be different. Bonnie, predict 60 seconds. Go. Okay, I'm going to give you 2025. By the year 2025, everybody will have already understood that cancer is cancer. And we will be treating all cancers based on patients' genomic profiles rather than where in their body their cancer has been uh, detected. Wow. 
that's less wow. than 20 seconds. Wow. I, I don't want to, uh, no pun intended, you took my breath away with that one, Bonnie. Wow. Very, very interesting. And that's a wish and a hope and a prayer and a dream and something you're working for, I assume? Yes? I, it's already happening. It's starting to happen. We're, we're, we're actually doing studies. Our company is actually, our not-for-profit is actually doing studies and trials in a pan-can way. We're looking at people with a particular genomic marker in lung cancer that's also in brain cancer or melanoma or another cancer along the way. And we're doing the studies to find out is it possible to repurpose drugs that are in these other cancers that have never been used in this particular cancer. And it's already starting to boil. It's starting to rise to the top. Uh, That's my prediction. I hope I'll be here in 2025 to say, you know, that's the direction we need to be traveling in. That that collection of data from all of that work, data and collaboration are key to make that happen. But I do believe they're possible if everybody begins to share. We live in a publisher parish world in the health health world and people need to share before they publish. We need to fail faster and we need to succeed faster. And we need to collaborate on research instead of everybody doing research in silos. There's islands of information out there that are not being shared. We need to share them, and we need to collaborate. Thank you, Bonnie. Great words, great wishes, and I sure hope we'll talk long before 2025, but I think we should make a date for that conversation. Uh, Chris Johnson, I have just barely 60 seconds for you. Go ahead, make your prediction, Chris, please. Uh, My prediction is we're going to see the emergence of an index that captures these uh, social corporate responsibility agenda, this mm. agenda. So, for example, you know, we think about the best places to work, a well-established HR-related index in the UK, Mercer's a sponsor of Britain's healthiest company. I think we're going to see an index which is about the, re- the responsibility with which companies act. And the index will be a key part of how the company is accountable to its shareholders so it'll be a very public account, transparent and public accountability thing. Um, I predict we'll see the emergence of this this decade. And as a consequence, um, you know, Bonnie and the agenda that she's pursuing, she will be able to go to those companies that are low down the index and offer them a way of clambering up the index and demonstrating their broader responsibility to society. So an index that measures how companies perform in this respect by the end of the decade. Thank you, Chris. Very interesting. John Matthews, no pressure. We've had two great predictions. Why don't you predict if just where you're going to be uh, 20 days from now? John, I'm going to give you, oh, I have 60 seconds. And what will you be drinking along the route? What, will, will it be none or something else? Uh, John Matthews, 60 seconds. We'd love to have your prediction, please. Sure. Uh, I'll be drinking none, scratch, and a, and a couple of beers here and there. Um, but, uh, you know, long term, I, I have three things. Uh, one is companies will certainly continue to invest in CSR. Similar to what Chris mentioned about the index, it'll be obvious on how people can measure it. And, um, and they'll, they'll want to do it because it's going to help them run their business more effectively. It's, you know, considering the digital transformation that's going on, it'll be easier to do. So that's the first thing. Secondly, um, just like human resources years ago was more personnel, and that goes back many, many years. I know maybe dating myself. Um, CSR is going to grow into a strategic part of the company. It's going to be an important element that uh, doing good is also um, good for business. Uh, and the third prediction is by 2025, I will have reached California on my bike ride. 
uh, and I will have. <laughs> um, and, um, and, and um, yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> it'll, it'll all be, be good. For you. Thank yeah. you, John. Thank you, John. John, we wish you all the best. And uh, where can people, quickly, where can people find you and find out about your ride? I've got 30 seconds, John. Is there any one place they can go to look? Um, www.rhbe, for Ride Hard, Breathe Easy, www.rhbe.org. And on Twitter, it's uh, uh, the handle is at Ride, R-I-D, the number four, Lungs, I'm going to I'm going to put that into a tweet. Thank you very much. All I'm going to say is that our time is up. Everybody, here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Just like our very special guest today, Bonnie J. Adario. Hugs to you. Chris Johnson, always glad. Twice in one week, Chris, I am so lucky to speak to you. John Matthews, we are giving you a big hug and a push off and have a wonderful ride. So just like our three special guests and Patty Fletcher for putting this wonderful panel together, go out and be a game changer today. That's not a request. That's an order. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. We'll be back next week with five more hours of live Game Changers Radio. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.